Welcome to episode 244 of In Touch with iOS, the show that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. I am your host, Dave Ginsberg, and I can't believe this. I have three amazing people here this week. And uh, let's start off with uh, the organizer of Mac Stock Expo, Mr. Mike Potter. He is here. Great to see you, Mike. Thanks for being here. Great to see all of you. Thanks, Dave. This is this is exciting. I'm so glad to be back on your show again. Yeah, absolutely. I am as well. And uh, Mr. Mac voices himself, Chuck Joyner. He's back. Thanks for being here, Chuck. How are you doing? Hey, it's, it's always great, uh, David. And, you know, with this panel, how could you refuse? Oh, yeah, we can't. And uh, including the fact that Jeff Gamet is here this week, we really appreciate it. And uh, how are you doing, Jeff? I, I'm doing all right. And... Uh, and you know, I feel extra special that 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 even though you have Mike and Chuck on, you still let me come on. <laughs> 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 yes, I always do, and I always will. So, we're glad you're here. Um, so we got uh, quite a few things to talk about this week. Some news stories have popped in for the notes for this week. Uh, Couple topics: uh, beta iOS sixteen point four beta two dropped actually yesterday as we record, um, and uh, got a bit of a security topic th- of themes this week. Uh, there's been some new stories about the theft of iPhones and and what password managers, all that fun stuff. So we're going to have a, a really good conversation this week. So, uh, but uh, let's uh, just jump right into the news for this week, and uh, I'll start off with this is kind of this is a sports story, but I think this is kind of an interesting thing. Um, Apple could be the new home for the Pac-12 football streaming after it passed on the NFL. Uh, Apple had been investing a lot in sports recently. Of course, they gave up on NFL Sunday ticket that went to YouTube. Uh, but they also have the MLS, uh, the soccer uh, for the United States. But uh, it's looking like they potentially might partner with a college football uh, division, which is the Pac-12, uh, which is out in the West Coast. Uh, they've been in a discussion with them for a number of, a number of the schools uh, recently, and it's uh, – all coming through with whether or not ESPN or Amazon Prime or Fox, they're kind of lukewarm about it. But uh, I I bring this up only because I think it's interesting to see how Apple is really jumping headfirst and really wanted to, to get into the sports world. I've been talking about this for a number of weeks. Um, Jeff, what do you think? I think this is something that Apple is going to continue to evolve with, and, and they're going to, their content is just going to keep expanding. Well, first, thank you for dropping in a line about what Pac-12 is, because I had literally no idea. That's why I did it. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. And um, <clears throat> all right. So, well, like, I, like I've said many times, well, I'm not a spectator sports person. Um, I think this is still really good. And, uh, and having spectator sports uh, packages is uh, is... Uh, what's the right word? It's a sign of legitimacy for, yeah. for Apple's streaming network. So Agreed. yeah, they 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 need stuff like this, even if it's not the the NFL, which I did know what that one was. Um, yeah, yeah, they they need to have stuff like this. Good. Yes, I agree. Um, Chuck, I, I again, I, I just think Apple's doing the smart thing here, trying to get into this this type of business, and they just keep expanding. Yeah, when I saw this, and I did see this, um, I so let me start out by saying, you know, as much as Jeff doesn't care about sports, I care less about baseball than Jeff does. <laughs> um, so I'm into seriously negative numbers. But when Apple took over the, the the MLB thing, I know one of the controversies was the 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 announcers, 
And so when I saw this for the for the Pac-12, I thought, you know, this might even be a better thing than diving right into the NFL right. by being able to get their feet wet a little bit in college football, you know, figure out how they're going to handle the production and the announcers and then go from there. Um, so I, I, I agree with you on the legitimacy part, yeah. um, but I also think they definitely want to appeal to a crowd that an audience that is not currently being pulled into Apple TV. So yeah. I, if, if this works out, I think this is a great, great way for them to get into this particular sport. Yeah. College football is very, very popular. That's for sure. Uh, any thoughts on that, Mike? Uh, well, when it comes to American football, I don't have a whole heck of a lot of thoughts, but uh, I was super excited to hear when MLS was coming to Apple TV plus uh, when they made that announcement last fall. Yep. And um, of course I signed up for it. And while I haven't sat and absorbed every single game that I could, because there's way too many on right. um, the few games that I have watched, they, they seem to be doing it right. They're doing a great job of it. A uh, little bit of streaming glitchiness from time to time, I assume has something to do with the live um, you know, issues. I don't have with live streaming on Hulu and some of the other um providers but uh you know overall really really good really good presentation of the games and um yeah I, I didn't i haven't done anything with the mlb in fact i forgot that they had mlb until chuck reminded me a moment ago but the the one thing that apple is doing that no other service we ever subscribed to with mls has ever done is include every single game you know, when we subscribe to the right. DirecTV MLS package, they would black out the Chicago games. Right. We're in freaking Chicago. I want to watch the fire play. Yeah. And we couldn't Stupid. watch the yeah. team play on the service we're paying $100 a year for. Now we can watch them play. Although, you know, we have interest in other teams too, Austin and, you know, Columbus and Chicago and, and what have you. Right. But we can finally watch the home team. That's amazing. And that's something that you, you just didn't get otherwise. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. They're doing a great job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, next story here, AI's powered Bing search has come to Microsoft Edge, Skype, and Bing, the iOS apps. Uh, Microsoft this week had done, just announced the rollout of Bing, Skype, and Edge for the iPhone and the iPad, uh, all of which will have the chat-based AI power shirts capabilities um, that the Microsoft unveiled earlier uh, this month. Uh, the redesigned Bing app is uh, much more overhauled with a new chat experience, tapping Bing icon at the bottom of the app will open up a chat session so you can do your chat bot questions. Um, so interesting to see that they, they, they went and expanded this right into the iOS-based app. So we've been talking about this on, our, on the show here for a few few episodes now with ChatGPT and the, the uh, chat AI. I just finally got access to the the Bing search because you had to be on a waiting list, and I think there's been some people waiting quite a while before they finally opened it up. So all of a sudden, the other day I went and checked it again. Like, oh, oh I have access to this. So this this is interesting. So, Mike, have you have you explored anything with Chat uh, with Chat GPT or the uh, the AI? Like the, this, this has been, been quite a popular topic in the last couple weeks. No, I I think the exciting news here is that people are using Bing. <laughs> that too <laughs> <laughs> mike this is why i love you yes 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 um no i i i have not really done a whole heck of a lot with it to to be honest um yeah, yeah. You, you know the idea of ai 
I've not played with it. I've not played with it. So I'm just completely riffing off the top of my head here. No, but the whole idea of AI powered search doesn't really seem that different to me than the way search worked already. Yeah, it's interesting. And then and we've, so. we've played with it. So uh, Chuck, we talked about this. What 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 were what your extended thoughts on the on the, these apps? Dave, it's funny that uh, you're bringing this up because this afternoon I sat through an hour long presentation by actually an insurance company talking about chat GPT and what it could mean for the industry. Okay. No and yeah, it, I mean, it was, it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the upside is that, you know, it could facilitate a lot of text uh, oriented things like uh, proposals and yeah. um, even, you know, cold call letters and those and emails and those kind of things. The downside is don't trust it too much. Yeah. And they were showing some examples that, I mean, they, they were showing both some really, really good examples. They also shows, showed some really scary examples that would completely destroy your credibility. Yes. And so I just wonder about Microsoft moving as fast as they are to bake this in to so many things as to what it may do to their credibility. And it's no, no secret that I'm not a Microsoft fan, but putting that aside... It just it it feels like this is a technology that's about half to three quarters baked, and it at the center of it, it's really not done yet. It's still gooey in the middle, and it I'm is. not sure that's a good idea. Yeah, it's still it is still a little half baked. As I started trying it, because I haven't had much time with it. On being, I was using Chat GPT quite a bit. Um, Jeff, is there, are these apps you think you'd be using them? Would you try them? I've been playing around with ChatGPT because, well, it's important for me to understand what right. these technologies can do and what they're capable of. When I look at what Microsoft is doing, um, ChatGPT is part of Bing. Okay, so we have a search engine that can't find you much of anything. And... Uh, an AI chat technology that will very confidently give you wrong information. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my God, this is mansplaining in an app. <laughs> um, so there's that. But uh, aside from that, um, yeah, I think Microsoft is moving too fast with this because yeah. OpenAI has been very, very clear about how ChatGPT is more like a technology preview sort of phase right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's learning. It's getting a larger database all the time to work with, which has the potential to improve the results that it can give you. However, it is not at a place where I think the average user can take advantage of this and have quality results. It's it's far too easy right now to to just give it very general bits of information and it won't be able to give you the data you actually need. Now check where I see this as something that could be really useful for your industry isn't so much about creating a uh, uh, documents, things like that. It's having this technology do things that to a degree it already is for you, which is uh, look at all of the data that you're collecting and then find the patterns and relationships that, uh, that humans can't find, or it would take uh, uh, too long for humans to find. That that's where technology like this is really useful right now. Yeah, no, 
Great. If if it works, it works, and that's the problem. Well, and, yeah, and the thing is, the technology, the AI machine learning technology that that can do that, it's already there. When you try and make it a Star Trek uh, common, just you know, normal speech, that's where this starts to fall down <coughs> because the. It, it's still in its, it's not even alpha. Th- this is a preview, giving us a taste of, of what sort of things might come down the road. I, I, I will share one example that they used, um, that they ask um, ChatGPT to give them, um, let's see, what was it? It was a cake recipe. And ChatGPT spit out a very, very good sounding recipe except for the fact that it didn't provide any measurements. <laughs> um, there's that. It, it was also asked to uh, to uh, provide information about Mars. And it detailed uh, h- uh, how many humans are living there, how long the colonies have been there, went on and on with all this information. What it did was it collected information about Mars from an expanse fan webpage. So it was just a webpage that was detailing like a wiki yeah. detailing information from the expanse. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the AI chat GPT is really good at, at stealing content like that at this point. <laughs> so that's what it's doing. Um, it's, it's harvesting yeah, it from it, other websites. It's, it's effectively what it's doing and it doesn't care if it's out there in, in, uh, you know, under a creative commons license or if it's copyrighted content, it, it finds it, it borrows it and says, now it's mine and I give it to you freely. But and uh, from what I've seen of it, from <laughs> really, from what I've seen of it, this is a really useful tool to provide thought starters. It's not really meant to provide answers so much as it is to provide little little snippets of information that you can use to then jump off of jumping off points and yes. I, I think it's it's so far proven to be really good at that but if you try to take what it gives you and use that as as some sort of final result that you then present in a public way i think you're making a large mistake yep i w- i agree uh good, good to see some people in the chat here on uh, youtube.com slash in touch with ios uh ben's in there he, uh, he he said the Juster GPT always denies the claim, and uh, <laughs> that, that uh, <laughs> I gotta like that. Uh, so and uh, great to see Paul in, in in the chat as well. So uh, come check us out where we're live. Uh, as yeah, as as he mentioned, we had to do record this a day early because I have a uh, scheduling conflict for for a normal Thursday, but uh, it's okay. We have an amazing panel. Glad to be here. Um, Next story I want to talk about is uh, Sonos. Sonos is coming out with an Era 100 and an Era 300 HomePod competitor. It's coming uh, actually this month, and we're in, we just started March. Well, yeah, it's March first here as we record. Uh, the new Sonos Era 100 and Sonos Era 300 smart speakers will launch uh, this year to compete with Apple's HomePod and the AirPlay 2 in spatial audio. Uh, they did tease it in early February, and then reportedly will uh, both speakers will be available at the end of March, um, and they will support blue, Bluetooth and USB-C line in audio for streaming over Wi-Fi. Both include Wi-Fi 6, Bluetooth uh, 5.0, and support for AirPlay 2. Uh, and they're going to uh, 
sell in a separate line an adapter for USB-C audio and a combo adapter for a plug-in or Ethernet. So they're really going all in with this this guy. Um, and uh, it, it's uh, interesting to see how they're going to ha- handle things with the different music services. Uh, uh, but I, I like the fact it's going to be a, a smart compatibility and because uh, HomePod sure doesn't do that. And, you know, Sonos is known to, to come up with their good products. Uh, Chuck, is, what do you think of this? I think this is something interesting what Sonics, Sonos is doing here. David, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there are only there, there are three basic factors if you're going to buy one of these speakers. The first one is going to be how does it sound? Right. The second one is going to be what's the feature set? And the second or the third is, at least for us and for most of the audience here, how well is it going to fit into the ecosystem, the Apple ecosystem that we all right. uh, live in? And so I don't think we're going to have those questions until it comes out. The the, the, I mean, Sonos has a great reputation. I've got a number of Sonos speakers. They yep. sound great. Um, sometimes their integration into the system as as an audio source is reasonably decent. Um, integration in as a as a place or a a device, um, a a microphone to talk into, you know, for the smart uh, the, the smart functions, not so much. So I, I'm I'm like. Not sure. Everybody wants to say it's a HomePod competitor, but and if it until it it fits all three of those um, and can match it or at least match up against it, I just feel like I'm not so sure. As a speaker, I'm sure it'll be fantastic. The yeah. rest of it, I'm watchfully waiting. Oh, and price, of course. Let's not forget the price. Yeah, the pricing is a bit steep. I think they, they're they're estimating a four hundred fifty dollars for the top end to maybe two fifty for the low end. Um, Mike, do you, you have smart speakers? Do you saw this something you, that would interest, that interests you? Uh, the speakers I have are decidedly dumb. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't have any smart speakers. Um, I would add one point to Chuck's list though, and that is, um, ease of use. Uh, and, and you did, you did hint at that Chuck, but I, you know, I want to be more overt about it. The few times I've helped clients with their Sono systems, I did not find them particularly easy to set up and easy to keep going. They tended to to have issues over time. Um, And so I just hope that this is, you know, something that's a little bit easier to set up. Yes, integrates well with the ecosystem, and that may have a lot to do with the ease of setup. But um, yeah, it didn't it didn't work particularly well. We we got it going. And then I said. Have a good night. Yeah. And I left. Um, but then yeah. they continued to have problems as time went on from, from time to time. So um, it didn't impress me. It didn't okay. impress me. Um, so I have not really cast much of a glance at Sonos throughout the years because of that. Um, but hey, you know, if, if they if they can step it up with this new new lineup, fantastic. Yeah, I hope so. Fantastic. I, I, I missed Dave. Did you say what smart assistant it's going to work with? Is it a lady or actually, cause I have, I have the Sonos G-Man? move uh, speaker that, uh, that does both a lady and, uh, uh, Google, G-Man. Google man. <laughs> uh, it doesn't do uh Siri and then, and Ben, and ben in the, uh, the chat says, yeah, no Siri, uh, no speaker for me. Uh, hmm. and, uh, no, I agree that, that, but I, so it's gonna be interesting to see they haven't really highlighted the set just yet. You can only have one or the other. So when you set it through the Sonos app, and the Sonos app actually actually has improved as I've had this speaker for what, three years now. That's good, and it, good. it has it has improved uh, since uh, uh, since then because it's yeah it was always 
challenge to get things installed and all that stuff. Um, uh, Jeff, you're, 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 you're in the HomePod ecosystem. We always or like mm-hmm. enjoy hearing your, your woes and tales of, uh, with, uh, with HomePods, <laughs> but, uh, is this something that looks interesting to you? I think it does look interesting and, uh, and which voice assistant it works with is actually less of, uh, a ranking factor for me for, uh, the different, uh, uh, wireless or, f- full home speaker options that are out there, um, which I'm finding to be very interesting because yeah. I assume that by this point in the game, if it, if it wasn't like Ben said, if it was an S lady, then it wouldn't be for me. And uh, what I'm finding is I don't care. It does it have the sound quality. Is it reliable? Will I have to deal with uh latency between uh between speakers and rooms and this is actually looking kind of cool i mean with uh with the multiple input options that this has it goes beyond what apple is offering mm-hmm. and uh and the and whether or not it has home kit support i don't care <laughs> excuse me because realistically i don't think it's I don't think it should be the deciding factor whether or not uh, your whole speaker system can support HomeKit because all you need is one HomePod mini that you may or may not even use for anything mm-hmm. other than as a bridge, you know, like wait till they're on sale for $79 at Costco, pick one up, set it up, put it on mute in the, in a closet and now it's a it's a seventy nine dollar home kit bridge right. and and you're set. Um, so anyhow, what excites me about this is that it has a lot of functionality, and it comes at price points that that mean that Apple, if they want to compete in this space, they need to pay attention to what Sonos is doing. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, a couple, a couple more stories here. Uh, Apple continues to go up and down with their trade-in values on select iPhones. Uh, Apple did increase the trade-in values for both select iPhones, iPads, and Macs. Um, they, uh, then I got an article here in the show notes from Mac Rumors uh, that lists the pricing. You know, the iPhone 13 Pro Max is now up to six hundred bucks, which you know, for a you know a, a year over year old phone, that's that's still pretty. Pretty good. Go all the way down to the to the iPhone seven. They're giving forty bucks for an iPhone seven or sixty bucks for a seven plus. Uh, so the the pricing looks uh, decent for the trade ins. Uh, so they're they're really uh, doing some good things here. And even Max, the MacBook Pro, up to seven hundred thirty dollars. That's a little low. I mean, I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, as far as pricing goes. But uh, yeah, we all know that the, the, the when I've traded in stuff to Apple many times, and it's. The convenience factor of wanting to, you know, when I traded in my last uh, Intel-based uh, uh, MacBook Pro, I got about eleven hundred dollars for it. So I thought it was you know, pretty fair, considering you know I paid quite a bit more when it was new. So, um, but uh, what do you think, Mike? Is this? Uh, do you could do, you, do you, have you traded anything to Apple? Are you or, or that at all? Are you how do you usually do it? You, have you hold you on. Seen my shelves. I, I know have you. You, you hold on to everything. <laughs> That's right. Full of junk. No, I don't trade anything in. I don't don't trade anything in. Uh, I think Apple may be feeling a little pressure from some of the other trade-in outfits that are offering a bit more for, uh, you know, for used gear. And uh, rightly so. I mean, there's, you know, OWC bought an outfit that 
did nothing but you know purchase old hardware and sell old hardware and now OWC owns it Sells and that's it. part of their business. Yeah. So, you know, I, I encourage anyone who's looking at trading in to look at some of these more reputable uh, third-party trading outfits and yep. and see if you can't do better than that 40 bucks. Yep. Any thoughts on this, Jeff? Um, I think a lot of the uh, credit that Apple's getting for raising up um, uh, trading prices, they don't deserve because uh because Apple doesn't actually manage this process. Right. This is this this is a this is third party companies. So my guess is that what's what's happening behind the scenes is Apple is uh is saying, you know, we want a better deal so we're more competitive. Can you do that? And the and the one company says, uh, it's a little tight. And yeah. another company says, yeah, and so then Apple's with that company. Yep. Yep. Uh, any thoughts on this, Chuck? Um, I, you know, I agree with what both both Mike and Jeff just said. There was one other factor, though, and this is with a business hat on, and you may not like it, um, but <laughs> that's okay. I think it's interesting that now, after the last wave of new Macs and everything came out, that we're seeing the prices go back up because it felt like not that long ago, and I didn't go point for point. Um, but, you know, the prices went down. So did Apple figure, hey, we're going to have a lot of people that are going to want new machines. We're going to drop our trade-in values because they're going to want to trade these in anyway mm-hmm. and put the money directly against the new machine. And if they do it with us, you know, it does it pretty quickly and it's very easy mm-hmm. as opposed to working with the third party. Now, after this much time, Apple's popping it back up a little bit saying we could use a few more refurbs. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to pull pull things back in. Um, that said, I don't know exactly what the contracts between Apple and their third-party vendors say. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if if Apple has the right to direct what they can and can't charge for a trade-in iPhone, Mac, iPad, whatever. So I, I just I almost see this somewhere as a cross between supply and demand, and in, and some kind of incentive or right. convenience. Um, yep. All those all those factors seem to come together in my mind as to why they may have gone down and now are now now going back up. Yeah, get people to, to make it convenient for their for their customers. I think that you hit it, hit it, on it right on there. So, um, last story here is uh, Apple is now charging more for out of warranty battery replacements on iPhones, iPads, and Macs. Um, they're they're going to be more expensive starting as of March first, as we record today. As this we talked about this, the the, the plan was coming, so it's here now. Uh, so, example, an iPhone 13 model will now cost you $89, up 20 bucks from the previous repair costs, and it's that's applicable from the iPhone 10 through the iPhone 13. And with Apple charging $69 for repairs for iPhone 8s and earlier, um, and out of warranty battery replacements for iPhone 14 models will remain at $99. That's what they introduced uh, when the, phone, the iPhone 14 came out. iPads are going to be up about 20 bucks, uh, including the fifth generation iPad 12.9 inch iPod iPad Pro models, uh, as well as all the other models. I don't have to go through all these. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, that's that's the way it is. Even Macs, the Mac uh, battery replacements have increased from uh, by thirty to fifty dollars. So, uh, in fact, yeah, uh, I know Chuck shared his his experience when uh, he had an, a MacBook Air that you sent to them, and they replaced the battery for you. So I mean, the price, I think you got it in before the price increased. So, kudos to you on that one. Um, 
So, uh, Chuck, what do you think? I mean, I think this is something that is inevitable. I mean, that's they got to they got to keep the costs in check here. You know, I I mean, I don't see it as a bad thing because yeah. the I mean, look, the prices of everything are going up. Right. Uh, not uh, labor, parts, um, equipment, everything. I, I but I also look at this and think because um, I had this happen recently with a friend who gave me an iPhone eight, yeah. um, and it it would stay functional for about a minute and a half if you didn't have it plugged in. The battery <laughs> had just gone down that far. Yeah. Put a new battery in it and it's like I mean it's not like a new phone, I, you but know, with all the works. capabilities, but it's it's absolutely a terrific phone now or f- terrific device to use as a secondary camera or you know something of that nature. So right. I mean p- putting that battery in is like giving almost giving the, the new the phone a new lease on life. Mm-hmm. And Pretty good price, you know, for a new lease on life for for anything compared to buying a new one or, or a slightly used one. Yeah. What do you think, Jeff? If it does everything you want it to do, that's that's a whole other discussion, right? Yeah, uh, I, I'm bummed that the price is going up. Um, and, you, and you've been talking about replacing up. that battery and that that they'll trust the iPad of yours for years too. <laughs> This if is I seem so remember, I won't, I won't mention any names of, of when, what were you talking about in the past, but yeah, that, that, oh, that iPad's still waiting okay. to get its battery replaced. <laughs> I know. And, and, okay. Th- it's so ridiculous because, you know, uh, Apple's thing is you have to have the, the um, capacity below 80% of original right. uh, charge capacity. And I've been hovering at like 83% forever on this thing. <laughs> and uh, and the last time I'm in, I'm like, come on, people. Yep. Just help me. Throw me a bone here. Um, so anyhow, it's, yeah, I'm going to end up having to pay more to get the battery replaced on my iPad now. Yep. And, uh, and it sucks. Um, but here's the other thing. The other side of it. While I'm frustrated about the price going up, when Apple does a battery replacement, say like in an iPad, <coughs> excuse me, it's not a battery replacement. They give you a different iPad. Yeah. yeah. So the the cost of uh, of giving you a replacement device is uh, is I'm sure playing into this. Yeah. So when when they finally say. Hooray! You've managed to kill your battery enough so that so that it's beyond usable, as opposed to it's just not usable. Uh, no, I'm not bitter about this. <laughs> um, you know, the 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 consolation will be when I hand them 150 bucks or whatever it costs. Now uh, they're going to uh, to hand me a refurb iPad, yeah. which is so. why the, the refurb prices are going up. Yeah. So thank you, Jeff, for all the, yeah. of us who are trading in iPads. Yeah, thanks. And we're getting more money. It's because of you. Thank you. Just doing my part to keep the economy flowing. Any thoughts on this, Mike? Look, I don't mind if someone has to raise prices. I, I don't have a problem with that. I would like Apple to do something that they're not often willing to do, and that's provide a little transparency. You know, what is the reasoning for this? Is it cost of materials? Is it cost of recycling? Is it the cost of labor? Is it all of them? Is it something else? Is it the cost of uh, refurb equipment? And by the way, I'm not a huge fan of bringing 
the my phone into Apple and having them hand me a different phone because I don't know what other problems I'm inheriting with that refurbished phone. Well, I think with I, phones they've replaced the battery. It's uh, uh, it's with iPads to replace the the whole thing. So then that brings up my other point. Let's make it a little bit easier to replace the battery, Apple. I would like to see that. And speaking of make it easier to replace, (laughs) iFixit was very vocal today about saying, guess what? Our prices are not going up. So if you don't mind, you know, cracking open your own device, and sometimes crack is the appropriate term. Yes, it is. If you don't, especially the iPads. iPads are the worst. I. Yeah. I have replaced batteries and iPads. They are absolutely the worst. I do not encourage anyone to do it. Nope. iPhone batteries, cool. Macs, cool. But iPads are just awful, awful to replace batteries in. Uh, so make it a little bit easier, Apple. I would like, I'd like that to absolutely. come into the play. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's move on to the topics for this week. Uh, iOS 16.4 beta two has come out, and they've uh, and there are some changes. Uh, one of the cool things is actually it added in Apple Books the the page turning animation is back. Uh, Apple did tweak the mm-hmm. Apple Books to eliminate that uh, previous animation, but now it's back in 16.4, so you can actually play with the animation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is seeing the code in Apple Music for classical classical music. There's still been speculation really? when the, the classical music channel is going to come out because they did buy that classical music company, but it's still... Just code that people are, are looking. A uh, couple notable, other notable things. Apple Pay is not going to be in South Korea. Uh, Apple Care device coverage, which is really great now. It, it actually, under the settings general and about uh, where the Apple has a coverage section to list your device and if it's on, if it's covered by Apple Care or not, there'll be an icon next to it. Uh, and it uh, shows uh, connected peripherals like the Apple Watch and AirPods. Um, so, and on numerous other things that they, they've added, uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's ongoing. Um, I've got it rocking on this uh, iPhone XR that's, uh, that I use as a camera. And uh, did you get yours installed yet on your iPad yet, uh, Jeff? Um, I did, and that's as far as I got. My iPad booted up after uh, after installing it, and I haven't had a chance to play with it. Okay. I will say that moving stuff around so that it's easier to see what your coverage is and what peripherals are connected is smart and something that should have been there a long time ago. Yep. The page curl coming back. Thank God. Yeah, that's so important. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. I don't care about the page curl, but <laughs> I appreciate that some people do. Why yeah. I'm happy it's coming back is because I've had to listen to Brian Chaffin rant <laughs> about the loss of the page curl on context machine. Oh, oh, look, looks like you have a topic for this week. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so it was important. So, so see, we know. A um, couple other things of note here: uh, Apple Watch OS uh, 9.4 is out. Nothing to report. TV OS 16.4 is out. Nothing to report. Um, the uh, uh, they did. I did notably. I won't go into it, but uh, the, the beta is also no, hints that the HomePod launch in Israel will actually support Siri in Hebrew, which is kind of interesting. Speaking in Hebrew. Uh, and, um, they are, they've expanded that. This actually happened today as we record this, uh, Apple's, um, really, uh, released the rapid security response update, uh, for beta. So that was in, uh, Mac OS Ventura, as well as iOS 16.4 and iPad OS, uh, 16.4. So you'll probably see that 
uh, Jeff, when that uh, when you next time you check it, I just did it on cool. this phone, and it uh, it did do this. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, um, the rapid response update is designed to provide um, bug fixes without the need of a full update. So it goes through like this. This latest one is only like twenty nine megabytes. So it, yeah, it's installed pretty quick, and it just gives you the prompt you want to install. You click install, and then and it reboots, and and then the security response was added in there. So it uh, gives Apple that flexibility so i'm looking for, I, I think that this was a smart thing that they did uh to that to add that so um so definitely interesting uh things are going on here so um so that's beta and i uh, want to move on to uh, some interesting topics about security at that uh that's been out in the internet this week uh notably the wall street journal had a pretty pretty interesting uh article as well as video joanna stern always has some entertaining things that she does uh, with this uh, stuff but this was kind of scary honestly um we discussed uh the, the fact that how to protect yourself and your and your, your iphone from thieves and really what the bottom line of this whole story was is the fact that um uh, that, that she actually interviewed uh, a woman that actually had her her her, uh, her iPhone stolen from her while she was in a bar and she was just having a good old time. And uh, apparently the guy was sc- scouting her out and watching her put in her passcode when she was uh, inadvertently doing it. Um, and uh, he stole the phone. And within a matter of three minutes after she realized that the phone was stolen and going to her friend's uh, iPhone to go and sign into the into to get to change the password and to do the find my to find the phone, she was completely locked out of her iCloud account, and that was permanent because, of course, if once you have the the passcode, you have access to bank account information, you have access to everything there is on the phone because it's automatic. So, at twenty four hours, she had ten thousand dollars taken taken out of her bank accounts, oh. uh, and she had to take deal with that as well as she's lost fifteen years worth of backup of her iCloud because. Her account's locked out, and Apple will not, you know, reset her account because that's their policy. So, lesson learned on that: that the fact is, you got to be very careful um, with your passcode. And Apple's response to this was, um, yeah, it, they they think it's a little bit of a, of a rare thing that's going to happen, is extreme. But you know, we take we take security seriously. You know how Apple's responses are; their their public relations, um, uh, and uh, it's it's something that. Uh, you just got to be careful with, and I and I I, I shared this article with with my family members because I know that they have a very uh, really ridiculously simplex passcodes. I said, uh, "Girls, it's time to change this." <laughs> so as soon as I sent it, guess what? They changed it. Um, so just I think anything you can learn from this of the, of this story is the fact that you need to make sure that you're using a a complex enough passcode, whether it's at the very least, uh, six digits, but even doing alphanumeric might be even a better option um, to, to keep things secure. Um, so it's uh, it's it's something that uh, it's it's scary. I mean, that this this kind of stuff happens, but uh, you just got to be careful uh, when it comes when it comes to this, and don't trust the passcode. I mean, the Face ID yeah, it works great, but. Um, yeah, you're going to be in trouble. And like, like I said, like the, the many of these folks that that reached out to, to the Wall Street Journal, they uh, are in trouble. So I want to know your thoughts, Chuck. And what, what do you think of this? Ah, uh, you know, it's a damnable situation because we are depending more and more on these devices. And let's face it, passcodes are inconvenient. The, the longer ones are better, and the longer right. ones, the longer it gets, the less convenient it is. Right. So you know, it it just really comes down to, I guess, how. How paranoid are you and how careful can you be about where you sign into your phone? And, you know, it's, are, do you cover 
do you cover the keypad up? Um, or are you, uh, should you be worried about somebody snatching it out of your hands literally while you're using it and therefore would have it unlocked? That's that almost turns into to my bigger concern. So right. one thing I, I one thing I personally do is I never set up Apple Pay on anything except my phone. Um, I know that uh, iPad OS and it seems like everything wants wants you to set it up on your device, but you, on, on my phone and on my watch, and that's it. Um, you yeah. know, those are the only two places that's accessible. I, I do for cases like this, and of course we see some of these get you know a lot of publicity. Right. I do wish that Apple would offer. A, an option, a service to go in and, you know, through proper authentication. And I, and, and I mean, some, some annoying um, right. authentication and with a healthy fee, because I hate to see, I, I just don't think it's really right to have anybody lose 15 years yeah. of stuff photos um, and, and including photos. Mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, if you are, if, if you, if your passcode is one, two, three, four, and there's no way for Apple ever to know whether it was or wasn't. So just, Put a hefty fee on it and say, okay, this is going to cost you, you know, it's going to cost you a thousand bucks. And hey, I, if it happened to me, I'd pay a thousand bucks to get the photos back. Yeah. I mean, just like, you know, when you, a good example is like if a drive fails, so you didn't back it up, yep. bring it to drive savers. What are they going to charge you? It could be two and three thousand dollars to mm-hmm. get that, get rec- that recovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so, you know, I, 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 that's one thing I'd like to see Apple do. And I, th- yeah. not as a profit center, but just as, a deterrent to having people, you know, come in and just say, well, I've, I screwed up and I forgot my passcode and I want you to unlock it. Um, you know, you, you're not going to do that too often for a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks at a yeah. pop. But so. e- even add something like a authentication with a driver's license or, you know, with a, uh, with a passport or something that to prove that it's you and, and be able to at least, you know, instead of just saying, no, that's our policy and that's the end of it. And, you know, sorry, I, I'm surprised because, of course, this is getting Apple a lot of publicity that this, this lady lost her all the, all that all those photos. Um, it's important to uh, important to, to at least give the customer, you know, some op- options, to, but to prove themselves, you know, prove in a secure way. It's not like you're trying to hack into this um, and make a make exception to the rule in some cases. But, you know, they don't budge. What, 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 what do you well, go ahead? I, I've just one thing I have. You know, I've had credit card situations where yeah. I I had to go uh, and get a notarized statement um, from Notary, Notary Republic. And mm-hmm. therefore I had to take ID into them to establish that I'm who I say I am. Right. And I don't think that would be out of bounds. You know, oh. again, inconvenient. Absolutely. But if you're going to be talking about re- unlocking someone's account and you want to make sure you're unlocking it for the right person. Exactly. Mike, what do you think? Finally, a use for real ID. There you go. Um, no, I agree. I agree with you, Chuck. This is it, it's completely, completely within Apple's power to authenticate someone, verify they are the owner of that account and get them back into their data. Mm-hmm. They apparently just don't want to. They could. They could. They're Apple, for goodness sakes. They mm-hmm. have billions of dollars to set up a system within which they can verify someone is who they say they are. And goodness sakes, this person can prove that their phone was stolen. Now, I am confused by one thing, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I get this. This is kind of a riff on the old ATM scams right. where someone would watch someone input their PIN and then steal their card and get into their bank account and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a riff on that. You know, I guess thieves aren't 
100% original when they come up with these ideas. But the thing that confuses me is that every time I've gone into my phone or someone else's phone to turn off Find My or to turn off some of the other features, it does not just accept a PIN. Right. It requires a Password. password. It requires the Apple ID password. But they've already reset the so, password, so they kept with based on the pin. And but how, you can't reset the password based on the pin. I've never been able to reset the password based on the pin before. It always requires some other information. Can you do that now? Is that is that something that Apple does? They allow you to reset based on the pin. No, that that, that it obviously happened. I mean, that's, that's what that, the article said, but I don't yeah. I don't believe that. I've 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 run into I didn't think you could do that either. I didn't. Uh, think, I, didn't I mean, it's been a while since I've reset it. my passcode. And me too. Yeah. It, so somehow that confused me. That 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 I agree with you with that. It is uh, to, to put everything they, to put everything related to someone's online life behind a pin. But the only th- the other ridiculous. thing I can think of is maybe that the person was not smart enough and they put an actual password. Password to their account in a note or, or something, you know, well, in that's for itself. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's I think that could be the yeah. possibility right there. Um, with that, I agree with you. Um, but the other thing too is when they do this, they also can lock them out of all their other devices. So not only does this lady get locked out of her for her iPhone, she's locked out of her iPad and her Mac hmm. because it you know it, it's that it, you can go and remotely turn those off as well. So, uh, yeah. It, Definitely was a, kind of a scary moment that this happened. And then, and of course, because everything's stored with the PIN and, and the password's changed, now you have access to all the bank accounts and Venmo and PayPal and any of those other services that are, you know, that use the yeah, use the passcode. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's uh, very... They, do, do they, they don't use, they use Face ID. Yeah, but then the person can go um, in and change the Face ID too. Yeah. Because once once they get yeah, it's true, you can so. add a new face. Then, yeah. So it's just yeah. I think the bottom line of this the story is just the fact that you just just be smart. Don't don't let people don't uh, watch your environment where you are. Don't be putting your pin in in public and the people can see it. And, uh, I think that's probably going to be a, be a f- first thing of uh, of what I could say about this. Um, and. Um, and use a password manager because unfortunately, you know, most people aren't using password managers. At the very least, use the passwords app and keychain access in on an iPhone um, to try that. But the problem is, everything that's in the passwords in the iPhone, the pin will, will go in there, and that's the other thing they can go in and you know check those passwords in the, in the passwords um, section of, yeah. of in settings the key in the keychain. Yeah. So, so I think all of us here use one password, and I think. I would like to like to tell tell everybody you know how important it is to have something a password manager like this, uh, like that uh, to to really keep uh, keep uh, keep everything uh, secure because we know one password has done a very good job of keeping passwords secure. You have to have that master password uh, in order to use mm-hmm. it and, and and utilize it. And I mean, you can use both if you want to. Bring, I do because I have some passwords in the keychain uh, access and some and and some in one password. So I kind of bounce around between the two uh but or but people are just so resistant there are some people out there many people out there who are very resistant to using a password manager um, oh, incredibly also, resistant yeah. yeah i also included an article today and as, as we've talked about in the past about LastPass, and there's again another article today <laughs> saying that the uh that an employee that there's a developer for LastPass got his computer hacked and now has code for LastPass. pass 
because he wasn't protecting things. And, and LastPass allowed that to happen. Well, he, he was protecting things. However, it was yeah. his personal computer. It was personal. And he, was right. being, he was being targeted uh, specifically. And the attackers used uh, a flaw in uh, music player software. Yep. And uh, were able to get into his computer that way. So, that darn Winamp. <laughs> Darn it. Oh, iTunes for Windows flailed again. Yeah. Um really smoked the lavas. <laughs> right. Beep. So I so, loved Winamp. The llamas, excuse me. The llamas. That's right. The llamas. Yes. Yes. Yep. So the to me, part of the problem here is that apparently there's a company policy that allowed a senior engineer to have <laughs> very sensitive company information on a personal device Oops. that should never be allowed. And no. of any company to be aware of that, you'd think LastPass would because their whole thing is security or so yeah. they say, I mean, at this point, if you're using LastPass, it better be because you just haven't finished downloading one password yet. Right. Right. So please use, use please use a uh, password manager. And then uh, the other article comes out here and uh, that a top U.S. cybersecurity official calls on Microsoft and Twitter to match Apple's commitment to user security. Uh, this was uh, uh, released a couple days ago as we record here. And uh, Apple was once again praised for the work they do protecting customer data. Uh, Carnegie Mellon, uh, speaking at Carnegie Mellon University today, a cybersecurity infrastructure security agent director of the United States, Jen Easterly, praised Apple's focus on user privacy and security while urging companies like Microsoft and Twitter to, Twitter to do more. And it goes on to talk about all the, this stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I, I could, yeah, I don't think Twitter is going to be jumping on the bandwagon anytime soon with our, our friend leading, leading the pack on that, on that company. But Microsoft, you know, they really need to get better too. I mean, I think they're up there, but no, I think Apple is, does a very good job of, of keeping things secure. And what we talked about previous is just, it's just a kind of a, a rare, rare, rare occurrence. I'm with you on Twitter. Yeah. Um, the the likelihood of Twitter doing anything to improve user experience or safety or security in any way, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Microsoft, however, I think Microsoft has had a strong commitment to user security. Yeah. They just have the problem that the albatross that's that's slung around their neck of all of this legacy stuff that they still have to support. And it makes it, I think it makes it very difficult for them to be able to do what Apple is doing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's more Microsoft can do, but I'm, I'm not going to fall to them in the same way that I would Twitter. Yeah. Oh no. Microsoft oh, has been doing a, a great job lately okay. with that Again, sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Windows 11 has made some improvements. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be rolling that out soon here at work. So it's, uh, it, it, it's definitely. Well, we'll talk again when Windows 12 comes out. Yeah, we'll see. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, th this is, first of all, I love the story. I love the story that finally somebody's giving Apple credit yeah. where, where sort of in keeping with the last story we just talked about, you know, the, using a Mac and using iPhones have become less convenient because of all the security, but Apple has put, has put that front and center. And 
they try to explain to you why they've done it, and somebody finally is actually listening and yeah. giving them credit for it. Um, but we also, and and look, everybody on this panel has done it at one time or another, that Apple discontinues support for a device, yeah. an older device, because it won't stand up to the security requirements of the current time. Microsoft has not drawn that line in the sand. Maybe because they can't, because it's they don't control the hardware and the software. But you know, Apple Apple has done that, and you know, it's yeah. Again, you know, see the earlier story, you know, of what can ha- what can happen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I have well, a question. Yeah, please. Are are we at a stage where two factor authentication? should become the norm for logging into our devices. I think it's important. No, but I don't think it's a norm. Should no, be I mean, it's certainly is. not a norm, but I mean, should it be? I, I would kind of agree with that. I mean, it does give an Mike ad, says added no. layer. Added no, layer. I don't, I don't know that it adds a whole nother layer of complexity to the, to the equation. What devices? And how are you going to get that to work? Your iPhone I'm, and Mac, sure, that hey, would I'm work. I'm just the your idea, guys. Windows, so, Windows yeah. and your iPad. Linux I mean, it works great your, for me. Whenever time I sign into my Microsoft account, I have Microsoft Authenticator. And anytime it says, oh, you signed yeah. in, go to your Authenticator app to, to prove it. And what number do you see? That does work great. Microsoft yes. Authenticator works great. Yep. Yeah. And unfortunately, not all... I have not used Microsoft Authenticator. Can't talk, yeah. um, but you know there are some authentication apps out there right. that don't work the way they should or are not easy to deal with. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? That means you try to find ways around it. You try to, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's exactly what you don't want. So anything that anybody implements better be as convenient as possible, balancing it out with the security. That's the trick right there. Yeah. If, if you make the barrier too difficult, then people are going to to find a way to subvert that because they mm-hmm. don't want to go through the hassle. No, no, I agree. So this, uh, yeah, it was, this was a great discussion. A lot of stuff with security happening, and it's good to everybody be aware of uh, what's going on uh, in the world with this stuff. And I'm glad, I agree with you, Chuck. I think this article, the article praising Apple's security is is uh, it's good. But again, I made the comment in our, in our show notes is yeah, it's it, it's it's good even though this social engineering issue did occur. Um, so and then it's just, I think this is just kind of a a sad thing to happen to this person. And let's mm-hmm. hope, I hope they're not. I hope not to hear more horror stories of this. But this could be a, you know you heard this and you know be be careful with your pin and with your with your passcode, please. I'm going to toss an idea out there. What if Apple gave us a feature that we could turn on that would allow us to use FaceTime and a passcode to unlock our devices? There's an option. FaceTime for face recognition? I'm sorry. Face ID. I knew what you meant. I, I, should, I should have corrected I it, understood but, you, Jeff. So it, it would be sort of like, like two-factor authentication because you have something you, you, you have, your yeah. face, and something you know, the passcode, and used in conjunction, now you're in the device. Yep. You, you would have to make it optional. It, it's, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 
but, but no, that yeah, might. I think Jeff's onto something. I, I, I don't disagree with the concept, Jeff, of of two factor authentication to get into the devices, but it should be optional, not mandatory. I, I agree, it should be optional. Yeah, and 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 provided for folks who, you know, look, you have to gauge the da- the the level of danger to which any one device you own could fall into the hands of a bad actor. So. I I don't rate my my Mac over on the desk to my right as being in great danger of being stolen. And if it is stolen, well, I've got other problems because that means they've been in my home. Mm-hmm. So there's other issues there. My phone is probably the the device. Actually, the watch is probably the device that's at most risk of being stolen. I'll lose it somewhere. I almost lost it. You know, the band mm-hmm. ripped. And you're like, oh, gosh, glad I caught that because if I hadn't caught it, who knows where it would be? Watch it be gone. And then that is protected by what? A pin code. That's it. Right. That's all that the watch is protected by. So cool. That's probably the most risk of falling into someone else's hands. Then my phone, then my laptop. But I don't rate my desktops as being particularly in danger. Mm -hmm. Um, However... That if if I had the option to turn on two-factor authentication for the devices that were most at risk, I might accept it for the watch. I might accept it for the phone. I feel as if the Mac is fairly secure, um, protected by the passcode, touch ID, things like that. I feel like it's fairly secure and that if it did get stolen, I would have the opportunity, well... Then we have the story we were just talking about, but I feel like I would have the opportunity to get into Find My and erase it remotely before something happened. It's not protected by a pin. It is protected solely by a, a reasonable password and and Touch ID. So I, I feel like it's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need two-factor for it, but I might enable it because it is a portable device and, sure. and potentially at more risk. So yeah, I think if it were an optional feature, I might... I might implement it. I said no, but I might implement it on certain devices. You, you know, Mike, you, you just inspired me with that because I, I hadn't thought about my Apple Watch as being one of the easiest things or higher risk things for me to lose. Mm-hmm. So while you were talking, I went and changed the default, which is simple passcode on my yeah. Apple Watch, turned that off, and I just changed the passcode on my Apple Watch. So it's not a four-digit passcode now. Mm. So thank you. You keep me a watch seeker. So <laughs> I'm I'm here I'm here to to serve with advice, Jeff. Will I, I implement I, it myself? I don't know. But I, you know well, the, the fact that you were here you. <laughs> it, it was worth it for me to show up just yeah. for that. Yes. Do as I say, not as I do, right? I admire your honesty. That's the tech right. person's mantra. <laughs> do right. as I say, not as I do. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm-hmm couple more quick topics here I wanted to touch on. Um, uh, Apple's health VP had talked about glucose monitoring on Apple Watch amid rumors of non-invasive tracking breakthrough. Uh, uh, Apple's vice president of health, uh, Subi Desai, today uh, uh, had spoken to an Indian publication, Business Line, and she talked about Apple's health initiatives, which was interesting that, that they were very open about this uh, and the insights of Apple's thoughts on glucose monitoring on the Apple Watch. That's been such a big thing with the amount of diabetics that are out there who want to have the ease of being able to measure um, uh, their blood sugars. And 
to have these tracking sensors and they built into the Apple Watch, it's a real important area. But uh, she does say, quote, that, that they require a lot of science behind them. Uh, and uh, there there were some rumors, of course, you got to in, 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 in integrate the Mark Ehrman's uh, uh, say in the, from Bloomberg uh, that Apple has hit a milestone in the non-invasive blood glucose monitoring technology. And they're work, been working on this functionality for at least a decade and now has a proof of concept model that is viable. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking this is, uh, uh, this is definitely interesting. And she also believes that there's, we're at the, at the beginning of health tech, which will require the change in behavior for physicians and people. Uh, she uh, that says that Apple is focusing on the customer and the, as the individual and how the company can empower an individual to be holistic about their health by providing actionable insights. Um, so Apple's definitely laser focused in their, in their health. And I, I'm really excited to see this and, this is I, I'm even interested to see how this technology works. Honestly, what do you, what do you think, Chuck? I mean, to, to be able to just have something on the watch like that, and not be evasive, you know, I'm, you get those ones like the Dex, Dexcom that, that, that attaches the little sensor into your arm that's kind of, is constantly monitoring your 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 glucose levels, um, which is cool, but it also it's still a little bit evasive because it still has to stick into your arm and to be able to get you know the measurement of your blood you know into the sensor. Because you have to change them out every fourteen days or whatever it is, um, so why not? I mean, what do you think? I think the Apple Watch is we 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 have some future here. I just hope to see it sooner than later. I, I think you just said it. A sooner rather than later would be great. Yeah. I think it'll come. It's just a matter of how quickly. I mean, look, we all want Doctor McCoy's medical scanner, right? Exactly. Um, you know the medical tricorder, They're and good we, are, we aren't going to get that. No. But you know this. Okay, we we already we now have things are strapped to our wrists that can monitor our heart and our pulse, and you know have saved a number of lives already. Um, I know I know one person personally that you know it appears that his Apple Watch saved his life, yeah. and so you know I, I just I think it's great that they have this initiative going. Apple is going in this direction, and it can clearly make the watch even more valuable than it already is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I, but I I do sometimes get a little concerned with some of the hype that hits the press, um, including Mr. German. Okay. You know, it's like, okay, when it gets here, it'll get here. Because, you know, we could also get into a discussion of what all is needed. You know, what do, is this, can this be one of those things that is a a medical resource or is it going to have to have FDA approval? And how accurate is it going to have to be to avoid Apple being sued out of existence because somebody you know relied on it and it didn't, it wasn't accurate enough for that individual? So they're they're just, I mean, there are a lot of scientific and practical hurdles that have to be jumped before we get there. Absolutely. Jeff, you have thoughts. Of course I do. Um, Chuck hit on one of the key things briefly when he said FDA. And uh, here's the deal. Apple can do with this exactly what they've done with other uh, health tracking technologies, which is release something and tell you this is a tool that you can use to set guidelines and uh, for yourself. This is not a medical grade instrument, even if it if if the technology actually can be, it's not certified to be that. And it's okay for Apple to do the same thing with this. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I, I have heard from doctors personally that have said that Apple's ECG uh, sensor is uh, is so good that uh, that they will just take it at face value when uh, when patients come in and then immediately get uh, get them hooked up to their machines to uh, to verify the data that came from an Apple watch. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so Apple can do the same thing here. This is a really, really hard thing to do. Various. So, so Apple getting to a point where they have a proof of concept, that's great. That doesn't mean we see an Apple yeah. non-invasive glucose monitor in an Apple Watch. That's, I'm mixing words together. Wow. Yeah. Non-invasive glucose monitor in an Apple Watch this fall. No, not no. happening. No, it's going to be Pro- another couple of years, I think. Oh, yeah, a couple of years from now, we will still be talking about this, I think, Probably. and and we will be a lot closer. But this is really hard, and it takes a long time and a lot of work. So, I all right. I'm going to toss it out there right now. I think that uh, this can show up in an Apple device uh, if it's a watch five years from now. That's if fair. it's if it's an accessory that you just like strap on maybe a little sooner because then it can be uh, a bigger device. And by bigger mm-hmm. device, it could be an Apple watch size device, mm-hmm. but it just does the one thing. Yeah. It could get into that market too. Even if it got to be an iPhone size device, that still would be. Yeah. Right. Vi- it'd still be viable for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I was just thinking that my, what I understood from reading the articles was that they did have it down to an iPhone size device. And as you guys are talking, I'm thinking, release that. Like Jeff said, release that. That's your accessory. Right. People will snap that up in droves. Oh. A non-invasive device, you can just kind of strap your arm like a health used accessory. to strap yeah. their phones when they when they went out running. Yeah. If you could do that. I think people would buy it. Yeah. It, it, it would be an yeah. independent health accessory. Yeah, that would yeah. be a different, interesting market that Apple, if Apple were to go into that. I mean, there's no reason why Apple can't go into that. Yeah. yeah but they're, they're very, they're very passionate about the health and, and with uh, the, all the devices that we have. So, um, stuff. Jeff, as long as it, as long as it works. And it works. I mean, right. As long that, as it works. Yeah. And, the, and that's the part we still, we're hearing that they have a, a proof of concept. Proofs of concepts are long ways from actual market products. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, it uses Apple's lasers, Chuck. Freaking lasers. Was, it uses lasers. lasers. <laughs> Everything's better with lasers. <laughs> I, well, I agree with that. But. Yeah. but they're looking at, I mean, what I just talked about, the Dexcom and you know, the Libre and all those other ones that, that have the, the disc that attaches into your arm. I mean, they're looking at that technology and saying, "Hmm, there is there's there's something there we could could do with it and not have it as evasive as it is." For what I'm hearing, that those devices uh, are, um, aren't too terribly bad, but the fact that if a diabetic can actually monitor their 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 blood sugar levels that in real time without having to have a pump and, and carrying all things other things with them and having to prick their fingers all the time and and it's be amazing. It, it'd be it'd be pretty amazing. And everybody, mm-hmm. I, I publicly says I, I am diabetic, and I have to. I, I'm looking into this too. I would want to have something like this to, to make it easier for me to manage. And, and, and there's there's 40 million people out there that have diabetes, so it's 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 a big market. 
So Apple has a good reason as not only for the health purposes of it, but there's just so many people that would benefit from this too. 40 million in the U.S. In the U.S. alone, right? Yeah. You're right. Exactly. So um, one last topic I wanted to hit on really quick here is uh, we talked about this on Mac Voices, but I wanted to hit this anyway because Jeff missed it. And this is this is just a uh, interesting topic is the fact that Microsoft wants to bring iMessage to Windows with the iPhone Link app. Um, Microsoft's uh, upcoming iPhone, uh, phone link app is going to allow Apple users to access iMessages on iMessage on Windows as well as the notifications. They are releasing a a preview of the version, which is going to be in the Windows Insider program, which is more or less Apple, uh, uh, Microsoft's beta program, and let uh, pre-release builds of this on Windows and let the app uh, will let the iPhone users connect their smartphone and PC to send and receive uh, messages via the, the iMessage system. But we go back to the same thing again. It green bubble versus blue bubble. It's it's still not going to allow group messages. It's still not going to allow you to um, uh, send photos and messages or participate in group chats. Uh, they won't be able to see the entire message history and conversations. The app will only display in messages or send uh, or receive through the the the, the phone link. Um, it is going to work, but via Bluetooth, uh, which is going to be interesting to see how that works. Um, and uh, while the the, fo- the the phone link won't support photos, Microsoft does support iCloud Photos in Windows uh, the Windows 11 Photos app, as well as they are going to be bringing native apps for Apple Music and the Apple TV on Windows 11. As, as I mentioned, there is going to be beta versions of those applications on Windows. It's in the Windows Store now in, in a beta format. So, uh, Jeff, I, I mess, I message. I know. I, I mean, I think what ha- what's happening here is Apple wants to get into extend the market into Microsoft's ecosystem and their world. There's there's tons, still tons of Windows users out there should have the capability of doing this. I mean, it's been just like the debate with that with Google and Android. I mean, but mm-hmm. is, is this something that is going to ever get solved? I mean, it, it's. It, I'm glad to see that it's happening, but you know, they they need to be able to have a full experience. Uh, an Apple should be able to allow them to do it without like, like Tim Cook said, when some asked him, if you remember, uh, well, are you ever going to bring it and bring, bring this to, 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 to Android he says, no, you need to go buy an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Um, okay. When you look at who Apple sees as a real competitor in the space where iMessage is a thing mm-hmm. that would be Android. Okay. Right. Not Microsoft. So, uh, doing a partnership with Microsoft to to extend iMessage outside of the Apple ecosystem that makes more sense. Having the limitations that we're seeing right now, okay. Well, keep in mind what, uh, from what I understand, what Microsoft is doing is making a bridge, and uh, and so the messages that you're sending are going like out of iMessage into Microsoft's phone thing and then out of that and into Windows. And uh, and so over time, we will probably see that uh, expand out to include more features and give you more of what you get in iMessage. And, uh, and of course, that will take some cooperation with Apple. Right. Um, and from Microsoft's perspective, Sachin Dandela, he gets it. He does. And what and what he gets is is that Steve Ballmer blew it. Didn't get it. <laughs> and it's about how can Microsoft be a part of 
everything. It's it's not how do we make everyone use Windows, and uh, and we're seeing that right. um, over the past few years. And he's right, and and he's doing it right. He's finding ways to uh, to bridge these little gaps and uh, and make Microsoft fit in with everything. So good on them, and yep. uh, and I I can see where over time this could fit in with uh, Microsoft business tools in different ways. You know how you can do the thing where a company has um, uh, has their iMessage support thing, and so you you can have that that temporary conversation right yeah. right, right in the messages app. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, why not build that so that it becomes a module inside Windows services? So these companies that are already using Windows for all of their support stuff, they can just fit that uh, right into what they're already using and not have to add in extra tools to make that happen. That makes total I'm sense. I'm just spitballing here. No, it makes total sense. What do you think, Mike? I is this actually a partnership between Microsoft and Apple? I, I don't think it is, is it, right? This is just Microsoft building a bridge to allow folks to do this? There has to be some sort of, yeah. if nothing else, a nod from Apple, like, okay. Yeah, because they're doing it for mu- Apple Music because they got to get rid of iTunes. That Apple doesn't want to develop oh, iTunes anymore. Yeah, but Apple, Apple, TV Apple too, putting so. Apple Music, that that's to Apple's advantage. You know, right. putting Apple Music on Windows, that's to Apple's advantage. They had iTunes on, on Windows for a reason. It's, it's right. to capture those Windows users as iPhone users. Right. They, there's, there's a reason to have music on there. I don't know that there's necessarily a reason to have iMessage on it. Uh, you know, if I, if I want to send if I want to send a message to someone who's using Android or Windows or whatever, I'll just send SMS. I don't care what color the bubbles are. Yeah, I'm sending a message to them. They're getting the message. I'm getting a message back. Who yeah. cares? Why does it have? It's to all be the MMS, all the all the groups conversations. That's what people are still have been pushing. So I know, pushing. So the, hard the irony here is um, the solution to this has already been out there and it's the 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 new messaging protocol that right. uh, google and a lot of other companies have been Just pushing for yeah right been pushing and for. apple doesn't and want it i thought of. there was a third party that provided their service already like for several years isn't there isn't there another entity you can sign up for you can subscribe to and you can get iMessage on windows i i thought there was i was trying to do a quick search here and i can't find it oh right there now. probably is because Google search is filled with stories about this new Microsoft effort, but somewhere out there, there is a company that has, has provided this service and you could subscribe to it. And I'm, I'm trying for the life of me to remember what it was called. Um, I'm not, I'm not uh, and then there are other workarounds too. I mean, look, I'll, I'll stick a Mac mini in the closet and just do a remote desktop into it and run iMessage on it. And there you go. I got iMessage on windows. <laughs> Boom. Done. You know, I, brilliant. I is, it doesn't is. seem like that big of a deal. Take yeah. my old iPhone 8 and remote into that. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's not that big of a deal to me to have iMessage on Windows. Yeah. If if I care about iMessage that much, wouldn't I have an iPhone on my desk anyway? Yeah. I, I don't know. Cool so, on Microsoft for doing it. 
Yay. I agree with you. Satch is doing some fantastic stuff. I love their their push into the open source world. Yeah. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I love their integration of Linux into Windows. I think that's great. iMessage, I don't know. It doesn't seem that important to me. Chuck, you got thoughts. I know that. Um, you know, I'm sort of with Mike that I, there's only one reason I want Apple to do any of this, and that is to improve the experience for Apple users. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have an obligation to improve it for anybody else. And also like Mike, you know, is the, and the only way it would improve the experience for Apple users would be to, you know, quiet some of the people down who are criticizing iMessage for not playing nicer with, with windows and with Android. Mm. All that said though, I want to take this conversation back to our discussion and my comments about chat G, GPT in the Microsoft apps. This is another, it sounds like a half baked attempt to put something in. It doesn't sound like it's fully baked, it's fully ready. Uh, David, when you started the story out, it lists a whole lot of compromises that, well, right. it won't be able to do this and won't be able to do that. Exactly. Well, so you're going to depend on this? I mean, this is your way to show that, you know, you, you, I mean, is Apple not giving you the keys to their kingdom? I hope they're not. But if they're not, and you haven't found a way around it, then I, I I just see this as being potentially a bigger frustration for everybody involved. Apple will take the blame for it, and and Microsoft won't, even though it's Microsoft's half baked implementation. Yep. So I don't see a winner here. You 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 are one hundred percent correct, Chuck. If you tell people you're going to get iMessage on Windows and they do not get the iMessage on Windows experience, it's not going to be Microsoft's fault. Everyone's going to blame Apple and say, well, you didn't play nice. You didn't let Microsoft implement the full thing. And, you know, look, it should be Apple implementing this if Apple wants it on Windows. Yeah, that's the protocol. They, they, impl- mm-hmm. they implemented yeah. iTunes. They're going to implement I- Apple Music. They're going to implement Apple TV. I mean, it, that has to, they have to because it's, it's their, Apple that's their does. baby. Music and Apple TV, that's win-win for Apple. Absolutely. iMessage on Windows. I don't see how they win. I'm, I'm I'm agreeing with you on yeah. that. Like it's it's just it, it it's something like I said. We all here don't really care as much about the group chats and all the limitations. It's green bubble versus blue double. I don't know bubble. that many people, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, since I'm just throwing out crazy ideas left and right tonight, that's okay. What if Apple's playing a long tail game here, and they're doing what they've done many times before? where they have let another company foot the bill for testing the waters for them. Mm. What if Apple is seriously looking at competing with products like Slack? Well, and if you're going to do that, you have to be cross-platform and that's when messages becomes a, a full cross-platform tool. That's a good analogy. I like that. That is mm. interesting. Possible. That is possible. But to start with windows, that's where I would start. You think, Jeff? I mean, in in a, in the world that's going increasingly mobile, you would start with Windows. Yeah, because okay. okay, so Apple has all the money in the world, and then after that, Microsoft has pretty much all the money in the world too. You know, pr- practically speaking, we're talking about amounts of money where we just can't imagine what it really is. Yeah. Microsoft also owns the business space. 
And if you want to have a tool that competes directly with Slack, you need to go into the business space. So why not partner with a company that's already there, even if you're not like really partnering with them today and, uh, and start working stuff out. And then when the time comes to say, and by the way, look at all this stuff we can do. And everyone says, oh my God, they just Sherlocked Slack. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. I don't see that happening, so, but okay. <laughs> so instead of Steve Jobs bringing Bill Gates on stage, we're going to have Tim Cook bring Satya Nadella on stage. Is that what you're saying? Is that that what we're what You know, we're I didn't coming? realize I was saying that, but damn, yeah, I guess I kind of just did. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's out I there. struggle with this. You one. know, like I said, I'm just throwing out crazy ideas right now. Yeah, it's out there, but... All right, guys, this, this was some amazing conversations tonight. This was a great, uh, great, great show. I really appreciate it. I think it was some really good topics uh, to hit on. And uh, I really thank you uh, for the, the great stuff that we talked about this week. But let's go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, we went long, but it was a really good conversation. Um, so that's a wrap for this week. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our email address, which is feedback at intouchbios.com. You can support the show by uh, going buying me a coffee at intouchbios.com slash coffee. We would really appreciate it. Uh, you can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash in touch with iOS. We have two tiers available to support the show. We'd really appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe so, so when you're notified when we are live streaming, that show is usually on two Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We had to change it to a day early this week in my schedule. But it's on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash in touch with iOS. Which I really thank all the people in the chat room tonight that participated. Appreciate you being here. Um, and you also can watch and listen to the past shows. And uh, you can also visit In Touch with iOS Magazine on Flipboard, where many of the topics we discuss are flipped into the magazine. The link is in our show notes. You can subscribe to the show in your favorite podcatcher, including Pocket Cast, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and many others. But better yet, go to our website at intouchwithios.com, where all the links to all the ways to listen to us are there. I am Dave Ginsburg. You can find me on Mastodon at the DaveG65 at Mastodon.cloud, or I'm also on Twitter at DaveG65. Mike Potter, uh, I know Mac Stock is coming uh, pretty soon here. Uh, you can tell everybody at least what the dates are. You did send out the newsletter, and, uh, and also tell us where they can find you. Well, you can find me. Thanks, Dave. You can find me at formaceyesonly.com. Uh, we are putting out the podcast now the second and fourth Friday every month. Uh, you'll find us live on YouTube, youtube.com slash TV. And then, of course, you can subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts or Memer or whatever your favorite podcatching client might be. And yes, MaxDoc is back, our seventh MaxDoc. I can't say seventh annual anymore. Our seventh yeah. MaxDoc is back this summer july 22nd and 23rd and you can find out information on that at max.conference and expo.com thanks dave no problem we'll be talking a lot more about that in the future here so uh jeff gamut thanks for making it tonight we appreciate it and uh where can people find you uh, it's always great to be here mike i'm thinking you can still say annual you just have to say annual ish annual ish yeah um okay where can people find me um um uh the the good one mastodon and instagram uh that's where i'm doing most of my stuff right now i'm jay gamut on all the socials and uh then let's see shows 
most Tuesdays on Chuck's uh, Mac Voices Live, and then um, uh, here on Thursdays, except today, Wednesdays. So most Thursdays on In Touch With iOS. Thank you for having me. Then uh, Thursdays on The Big Show, Fridays on The Mac Show. Also on The Context Machine with Frank Traffic. I get around. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Last and certainly not least, uh, Chuck Joyner, thank you as always for being here. We're going to be to find you. Hey, thank you for having me, Dave. Uh, MacVoices.com is where you get to see everything I do and everybody I talk to. Um, we do Mac Voices Live Tuesday nights, as uh, I think Jeff just said, uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are. I am starting a GoFundMe page to get Mike Potter to join on Mac Voices Live. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> so... One of these days, it will happen. It will. Um, It has happened. It It has has happened. happened. And it will happen again. I'm confident. It's like, you know, it's like that rare gazelle you spot in the forest. You just have to be patient. And eventually, I will appear. Mike just compared himself to a gazelle. A gazelle. I think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway. um, Graceful gazelle. A graceful gazelle. (laughs) Okay. Now I sound like a Linux distro. But but, Mike, but, it, but it's fair. It's, that's a fair description. Yeah, Mike well, will be yeah. dancing after the show to see just how graceful he is. Um, yeah, and I'm and I'm on the socials as at Chuck Joyner or at Mac Voices. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thank this you, was Chuck. way too much fun. This was a blast. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. It was a heck of a, a fun time to do with this great panel. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>